This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Built by Bama online podcast, and it is daybreak for Wednesday, July the 15th, 2020. Travis Ryer. Senior analyst for you there at BamaOnline.com. A lot to get into. We get things going on the recruiting front as Tuesday night saw the Alabama Crimson Tide with another big recruiting hit for the class of 2021 as linebacker Kendrick Blackshire of Duncanville, Texas, a four-star prospect, a top 10 inside linebacker recruit in the country for the 2021 cycle makes it known that he will attend the University of Alabama. You know, we've talked on the podcast in the past with Tim Watts, site publisher for us there at BOL, also recruiting analyst Hank South. This had been expected for some time, but anytime you can add a talent like this, regardless of whether it's expected or out of the blue, Always a nice pickup, and the train continues to roll on the defensive side of the ball here of late. Dallas Turner, the outside linebacker, weak side defensive end, committing to Alabama here recently, a four-star prospect in his own right. Devontae Smith, the cornerback from Cincinnati here recently. Kadarius Callaway, a flip from Mississippi State to the Crimson Tide. So it's very much had a defensive feel to it here in the last couple of weeks for the Crimson Tide. Blackshire, certainly one of those guys that just in terms of measurables fits the bill. Plays at a very high level of high school football out there at Duncanville, Texas. And the tape shows, and you have to remember, this is sophomore tape now, because Blackshire missed the 2019 season with an ACL injury. But the tape shows a guy who can play the traditional Mike spot, but he can also move out to the edge in some looks. So it's easy to envision guys like Rolando McClain, even as recent as Dylan Moses, very smart, very fluid, makes it look easy against, again, a high level of competition out there in the Lone Star State. And you like that ability, that versatility that shows Blackshire playing outside on the perimeter some. In fact, you could even draw the comparison to an Anthony Jennings based on size and how you can use this guy in some different ways. This is another good job on the recruiting trail by Alabama tight ends and special teams coach Jeff Banks, whose specialty has pretty much become recruiting Texas prospects for Alabama. And the commitment of Blackshire now puts at Alabama at 12 verbals for the 2021 cycle. The Crimson Tide moves into the top 10 of the 24-7 sports composite 
team rankings as well. And it doesn't appear as if there's going to be a slowdown in news related to Alabama recruiting because Terrence Ferguson, a four-star offensive lineman from Fort Valley, Georgia, has established this Sunday as his commitment date. The Crimson Tide trending favorably for the interior offensive lineman as it looks to build on what looks to be an absolute monster offensive line class. Remember, you've already got J.C. Latham committed. The Brockermeyer brothers are still out there as well. So still plenty of juice where the offensive line is concerned looking ahead for this Alabama class. On the other line of scrimmage, five-star defensive lineman Damon Payne is scheduled to make his college choice one week from Sunday on July the 26th. So he's another guy to watch as well. Sort of has the feel of a four and five-star flood on the way, doesn't it? Coming up a little bit later in the podcast, it is officially list season and you know list season typically heading into a college football season it's sort of like that clear onion soup you get at the japanese steakhouse hey it's okay it's fine you like what it signifies what it symbolizes is that the good stuff the really good stuff is on the way whether it's that uh, ginger dressing salad that you typically get at the japanese steakhouse those appetizer shrimp and then you get into the fried rice and really just a feast of football is what typically follows list season this time around though we're not so sure exactly what's coming at the end of the tunnel what exactly is that light at the end of the tunnel But we're going to delve headlong into list season because you're seeing some Alabama players, Mac Jones, Patrick Sertan, Dylan Moses, show up on some of these individual award watch lists. And what we'll do is we'll take a look at some of the more prestigious, we'll say, individual awards out there in college football. And for each, a little bit of a history there for you that we'll run down from the Alabama perspective. And then we'll also provide to you some Alabama players for the 2020 season to keep an eye on in relation to those awards. Hope you're enjoying the website, by the way. A lot of great stuff up at BamaOnline.com right now. Charlie Potter on Tuesday with an extremely interesting update on quarterback Paul Tyson. Also some interesting comments via Alex Leatherwood's father, Alfred, to 247sports.com college football writer Chris Hummer on the possibility of a spring football season and whether Alex Leatherwood would be in or would he consider opting out you know with the spring football talk there almost seems to be this concession from folks that a ton of guys would sit it out and while i think you definitely see that within the small circle of slam dunk first round picks and even some guys who project outside the first round i'm not as quick at this point anyway to consider it a given i'm not as quick right now to even consider spring football if it comes down to it But if it were to happen, there's that bowl season that we just completed back in December and January, during which I recall the belief at that time being a large number of Alabama players would sit out the Citrus Bowl. Sure enough, when all was said and done, that number was limited to just two players, Trayvon Diggs and Terrell Lewis. And while the circumstances I understand would be entirely different, talking about just one game, 
in early January or late December compared to a full slate in March and April, I would presume, because you got to figure on the NFL draft not being likely to adjust its place on the calendar to facilitate the college football season. I just won't ever underestimate the desire to play when it comes to young folks. There's also the emotional attachment that makes it difficult to walk away from a team, especially for a group of veteran leaders. You've got some captains that are maybe in that mix as well. I told someone the other day, kind of half-jokingly, if I was a college football coach and I was forced to deal with a spring season, I might have like 45 captains. That way I try to keep as many of those guys tethered to the program and playing football through the spring as I possibly could. And I get it. Not every guy is wired that way. But I also believe there's probably more that are than we give credit for. For now, though, we continue to hope for a football season in the fall and it was interesting on Tuesday to note that the Alabama Crimson Tide was anticipated to up its workout regimen from the voluntary phase that it was in previously to a mandatory phase moving forward. Now this stretch will extend until July the 23rd so a couple of weeks then you go from July the 24th through August the 6th and during that time Teams will be able to conduct up to 20 hours of countable, athletically related activities per week. No more than four hours per day, by the way. And you're going to have to give the players, the student athletes, at least two days off per week when you get into that stretch of July the 24th through August the 6th. So basically, the 20-hour rule that typically is in effect once classes begin will be underway once we get to July the 24th. But we are now in a stretch where Alabama's on-the-field assistant coaches may interact with the players in workouts. You probably saw more of that from some other places around college football. I know Ole Miss on social media on Tuesday had a couple of tweets of pictures from workouts, Lane Kiffin and his staff on the practice field with their guys. Off the field, some really good news for Alabama athletics on Tuesday. We don't talk about this stuff enough, but as a parent, of a student athlete who recently completed her eligibility at the University of Hawaii, I can tell you the one request I had for her was to show up on these academic honor rolls, whether it was the dean's list, whether it was the Big West honor roll for academics. Only request I made during her time as a collegiate student athlete, and I'm proud to say She went two for two out at UH as far as Big West all academic honors go. Well, on Tuesday, the SEC announced that 120 first-year student athletes from Alabama appeared on the SEC first-year honor roll, including... Wait for this. A league-high 23 football players. That kind of works against the narrative of the football factory, doesn't it? When you're atop the list of first-year Football players, when it comes to the SEC honor roll, not Vanderbilt, not Florida, not Georgia, University of Alabama with 23 football players on that list. And you got to give a lot of credit to John Deaver, longtime uh, administrator over at the university. I believe he still works in that role, kind of overseeing facilities and resources 
for the student athletes, a big part of that, obviously, the academic support staff over at Alabama continues to do just a tremendous job. And again, so many resources available to these young folks who pass through the University of Alabama Athletic Department. And I won't turn this into a segment about compensation or no compensation for student athletes. I'll just tell you that when it comes to investment into those young people over off Bryant Drive, it is beyond extraordinary. And so what we heard on Monday from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey in relation to a plan for the 2020 college football season, because you did have the athletic directors convening with Greg Sankey, formulating some contingency plans that I'm sure have already been in the works for some time now. You get the sense at this point, the league is just trying to use every minute, every hour, every day available to it before coming down with perhaps a revised, adjusted sort of outlook for the season. But it is still pretty much status quo. In some ways, it felt like no news on Monday was good news, especially after what we heard from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 last week. Now, we did learn on Tuesday that women's soccer, volleyball, and cross country in the Southeastern Conference will not start until August 31st at the earliest. That does not impact football, but it is interesting because women's soccer, volleyball, they're typically in that leadoff spot or two when it comes to the start of another athletic calendar year. And as you ponder the dreadful scenario in which we might go without football entirely during the upcoming months. I think it's especially tough to consider if you're an Alabama fan. And again, this is understanding that as a society, we've got bigger issues on our plate right now than football. So all due respect to this pandemic that we're continuing to try to navigate. But if you just want to talk about teams that are set up for a run in the 2020 college football season. Well, University of Alabama very much projects as one of those top two or three teams. And you also understand that even though Nick Saban shows no signs of slowing down at the age of 68, he'll turn 69 on Halloween of this year, you want as many swings of the bat with this guy as your head coach as you can possibly get. You don't want to leave anything in the bag for as long as Nick Saban is your head coach. And looking at this upcoming team specifically, again, not just extremely talented, but you've heard Nick Saban talk about some intangibles that are typically associated with championship teams. And you're also experienced offensive side of the ball, an emphasis over there. And then you consider the prospect of no football in 2020, and you start to think about personnel losses. You can go from an experienced team to a youthful, inexperienced team, albeit talented in 2021, pretty quickly. Just look at the offensive line. Alex Leatherwood, senior. Deontay Brown, redshirt senior. Landon Dickerson, redshirt senior you look at that group today as a major strength of this football team if you don't play football in 2020 and those three guys move on again you'll have talent 
but you're not going to be set up in a way really anywhere close to the way you're set up right now. Najee Harris in the backfield, Devontae Smith at wide receiver. Does Jalen Waddle go ahead and make the jump? Even on the defensive side of the ball, Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, the potential for Patrick Sertan II to move on, LeBron Ray. So if you're an Alabama fan, you really want to see this team have a chance to fulfill its potential. And that's not to mention that you actually have some continuity also on the coaching staff this time around. You've got both coordinators back for the first time in a long time. Really, not much has changed with this staff. You brought in Freddie Roach to coach your defensive line. You feel like that's going to be an upgrade both in on-the-field coaching and also the recruiting trail. So I know it's a little uncomfortable to think about, but it should be in the forefront of Alabama fans' minds in terms of pondering whether or not we get football in 2020. We're going to step aside for a break here on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, by the way, we'd love for you to do that. And while you're there, if you don't mind, leave a rating and a review as well, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's Google Play, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, you name it, wherever you consume podcasts, you can jump on board with us, the Built by Bama online podcast. When we come back, we'll take a look at Alabama's list season candidates for the 2020 college football season. That and more. When daybreak on a Wednesday on the Built by Bama online podcast returns right after this. And so it is with the start of the week, we began to see more and more Alabama players showing up on individual award watch list. It is officially watch list season. And for the Alabama Crimson Tide, You've seen Dylan Moses and Patrick Sertan II named to the Benaric Award watch list. Benaric Award goes annually to the nation's top defensive player. Then on Tuesday, Mac Jones, the redshirt junior quarterback, shows up on the Davey O'Brien Award watch list. Davey O'Brien Award goes to the top quarterback in all of college football. So I thought, hey, look, maybe we'll go down the list of some of the more recognized individual awards in the sport little bit of a history in terms of Alabama's representation in some of those awards. Also, we'll get into projecting UA's top individual candidates for those awards. And with that, do you Alabama fans, you want to start with the Lou Groza and Ray Guy awards? You know, those go to the top place kicker and punter in college football? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. By the way, it still isn't right that J.K. Scott, in four years at Alabama, didn't win the Ray Guy Award. And I say that with an emphasis on his true freshman season in 2014 when you, the argument could be made he won at least one game in 2014. I'm thinking about that Arkansas game in Fayetteville. Dreadful performance by the Alabama offense. And he was really good in 2016 as well. He was really good all four years, but those two years in particular, I thought, J.K. Scott, no way he should have left Alabama without a Ray Guy Award. You know, it's these Aussies. It's these Aussies that are causing all these problems over here now. Coming over from the rugby leagues and Australian rules down under, keeping guys like J.K. Scott from meeting their destiny on the college level. J.K.'s doing all right, though, as the punter for the Green Bay Packers. What we'll do, though, is we will start on the defensive side of the ball since we mentioned the Bednarik Award earlier. Last season, Chase Young, the outstanding defensive end from Ohio State, was your 2019 Bednarik Award recipient. 
Alabama's history with the award. Jonathan Allen and Minka Fitzpatrick, back-to-back winners for Alabama in 2016 and 2017. And so, again, we know that Moses and Sertan are on that watch list. Choosing between those two is made tougher for me by the fact that Moses is coming off the knee injury and we just haven't had an opportunity to see him for ourselves since the end of last season because, of course, we didn't have spring football. And also, if Moses didn't sustain the knee injury last August, there's a good chance he'd be getting ready for NFL training camp right now. Wouldn't even be in the mix for an award as a senior at Alabama. I'll still go with the middle linebacker here, although... Sertan, like Moses, could really benefit from potentially carrying out a variety of roles in his area of the defense. In other words, whereas Moses has that ability to go from middle linebacker to maybe out on the edge in some pass rush situations, Sertan is similar in the secondary in that you can use him at corner and you can use him at star. Not necessarily a defensive award, but we'll talk about the Outland Trophy next. Panay Sewell, the outstanding offensive tackle from the University of Oregon, was your winner of the Outland in 2019. He will be back for another year with the Ducks in 2020. In the past, Alabama has produced four winners of the Outland, three of those coming from the offensive line, one a defensive lineman two years ago in Quinnen Williams, otherwise Barrett Jones in 2011, Andre Smith in 2008, and Big Sam, Chris Samuels back in 1999. He was Alabama's first winner of the Outland Trophy. And again, the Outland Trophy wasn't exactly SEC friendly until Chris Samuels won the award there at the end of the 20th century. Now, since 2000, you've had seven winners of the Outland Trophy from the Southeastern Conference. Outland Trophy, a line of scrimmage award. So with that, you automatically think about Alex Leatherwood at the offensive tackle position for Alabama. Maybe Landon Dickerson, an under-the-radar candidate. Although I think Landon more likely to be in the mix for an offensive line award we'll talk about here in just a little bit. And maybe LeBron Ray. Maybe he finally has that stretch of extended good health and is able to maximize his ability and put up some numbers, some production befitting of a legitimate candidate for the Outland Trophy. Tough to go against Leatherwood, though, here on July the 15th, seeing as how he has made 28 straight starts on that Alabama offensive line. So he is the obvious choice right now for the Outland Trophy. Maybe Christian Barmore sort of comes from the back of the pack, makes a move there. How about the Buckus Award, which annually goes to the top linebacker in college football? A year ago, that was Isaiah Simmons, sort of the utility defender for the Clemson Tigers. Another spot where you expect to see Dylan Moses mentioned prominently. You've had, certainly, Alabama representation with the Buckus in the past. 2009 with Rolando McClain, C.J. Mosley, a winner of the Buckus Award in the past. Terms of ability, talent, skill set, Moses certainly along the lines of those guys. And who knows? Maybe sophomore Christian Harris. Moses has 
Baton Rouge running buddy there at inside linebacker. He might bring back some good value in terms of odds to win the Buckus Award. Looking at the secondary with the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to college football's top defensive back, Grant Delpit of LSU, sort of a controversial winner of the Thorpe Award in 2019. There were some folks, probably not too far off on this, who felt like Delpit was the fourth best defensive back on his own team last season. You had Derek Stingley Jr., you had Christian Fulton at a corner, and even Jacoby Stevens at the other safety. For Alabama, the pick here has to be Sertan. With four new starters going in on the back end of the Alabama defense, the question is more along the lines, will opponents target Sertan enough to make him a viable candidate as far as statistical production and those things that typically go into a candidacy for an individual award? I think he can get there if he's the guy at star in addition to corner because between tackles, tackles for lost sacks, pass breakups, and interceptions, I think Sertan's statistical production would get a nice bump if he were also manning that star position in the nickel and dime packages. Of course, Stingley of LSU is going to ride a tsunami of momentum into the season. So it could be a case of last year's honor being deferred to 2020 for the sophomore corner from LSU. And if that happens, that DBU chatter coming from Red Stick will only intensify with the Tigers producing their fourth winner of the Thorpe Award since 2010. So let's move over to the offensive side of the ball, and we'll start with the Bolitnikoff Award, which honors college football's top wide receiver, Jamar Chase, an easy pick from LSU a year ago. Just a ridiculous season for the outstanding receiver. Devontae Smith would have been a strong candidate in just about any other season. Part of Devontae's issue from an individual recognition perspective was that He was somewhat overshadowed by a couple of other future first-rounders in his own receiver room, with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III being those guys. Since 2014, Alabama, by the way, has produced two winners of the Blitnikoff, Amari Cooper in 2014, and then his fellow South Floridian, Judy, two years ago. With Chase coming back to LSU and Smith returning to Alabama, There will be more questions about the guys getting them the football. Miles Brennan expected to take over behind center for Joe Burrow at LSU. Mac Jones expected to open the season behind center in place of Tuatanga-Vailoa for Alabama. The good news for Smith and Alabama in that regard is that we've seen a lot more of Mac Jones having success with the guys he's going to be leaning on heavily during the upcoming season. Jalen Waddell could be a little bit of a flyer to run on here uh, with the Blitnikoff as well. Not sure that Jalen is going to get enough catches and just outright receiving production, but it's certainly going to be more than it's been the last couple of years. going to be more than even his freshman season, which as far as receptions go, was even more than what he had as a sophomore. So you have to think Jalen Waddle takes that next step north of 50 receptions, and given his healthy yards per catch average so far during his Alabama career, Somewhere north of 50 catches should be enough to get him 
somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand receiving yards. We've already seen Devontae do that though. And we've also seen him find the end zone 14 times in 2019. So hard to go against Devontae Smith from the Alabama contingent at this point. Speaking of the big guys, the Remington Trophy. That one goes to the top center in college football each and every year. Alabama, well represented since 2012. Barrett Jones took the award eight years ago. Ryan Kelly in 2014 did it himself. How about Barrett Jones, though, for accomplishments during his time at Alabama? The guy won the Outland Trophy as a starting left tackle in 2011. The very next year, he moves to center and he wins the Remington Trophy as the top center in college football. Assuming Landon Dickerson sticks at center, it's not all that difficult to see the big guy making a run at the award. And Dickerson sticking at center makes more sense now that we're looking at a condensed run-up to whatever kind of season we might have. There are some scenarios in terms of trying to fill the void at right tackle created by the departure of Jedrick Wills that maybe you move Landon Dickerson to guard, maybe you move him out to tackle. But I'm sure Kyle Flood likes the idea of continuity right there in the middle of that offensive line with Dickerson back. As far as competition for Dickerson for the award, Trey Hill of Georgia fits that bill. I'll tell you another guy to keep an eye on, too, and he's got Alabama ties. What about Brandon Kennedy, former Alabama offensive lineman, transferred a couple years ago to Tennessee? Did you know that he's got a six-year of eligibility with the Vols? Brandon Kennedy does. And with UT expected to be home to one of the very best offensive lines in the country, Brandon Kennedy might be a guy to keep an eye on. The Doak Walker Award, which goes to college football's top running back. Last year, that was Jonathan Taylor, had a monster season up at the University of Wisconsin. Previous Alabama winners of the Doak Walker Award, Derrick Henry in 2015 and Trent Richardson in 2011. Do you find that interesting? There's a name missing there, isn't there? No Mark Ingram. The year Mark Ingram won the Heisman Trophy in 2009, it was Stanford's Toby Gerhardt who took home the Doak Walker. I'm sure Mark's okay with that trade. And really, when you look at Trent Richardson's 2011, statistically, it's even more impressive than what Mark did when he won the Heisman Trophy two years earlier. And there's no doubt about it. For this Alabama team, this is where Najee Harris shows up, coming off that 1,200 yard rushing season over 300 yards receiving a year ago 20 total touchdowns Najee gonna be a guy that top two or three among Doak Walker candidates for the upcoming season the Davey O'Brien award we talked about that a little bit earlier Mac Jones on Tuesday showed up on the watch list for the Davey O'Brien award Joe Burrow of course in a landslide a year ago, your 2019 winner of the honor. Previous Alabama Davy O'Brien Award winners, zero, nada, nilch, none. Now, A.J. McCarron did win the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award back in 2013, but no Davy O'Brien Award winners. Of course, Tua Tonga Bailoa ran into injuries each of the last two seasons. He also ran into Kyler Murray in 2018 in Burrow a year ago. So Mac Jones could become Alabama's first ever winner 
of the Davey O'Brien Award? Or could it be, could it be that Bryce Young ends up making a run as a true freshman? And the granddaddy of them all, the Heisman Trophy. Joe Burrow, LSU, your 2019 winner. Alabama with two Heisman Trophy winners all time, both of those in the Saban era, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry. Pretty impressive that those guys took home the award when you consider that in the 21st century, only three non-quarterbacks have won the Heisman Trophy. Ingram, Henry, and Reggie Bush, who had his honor vacated. How about your last non-quarterback or running back winner of the Heisman Trophy? Got to go all the way back to 1997. That was Charles Woodson. Did some two-way stuff for the Michigan Wolverines. Could return kicks. That was the year that Tennessee fans will go to their graves insisting Charles Woodson stole the Heisman Trophy from Peyton Manning. Now, history tells us that for this Alabama team, Matt Jones or Najee Harris would sit as UA's most likely candidate as of today. Now, here's the problem for Najee Harris as a running back. Jonathan Taylor last season rushed for 2,003 yards and 21 TDs. He also caught, because you consider the receiving aspect of Najee's game when trying to construct his candidacy, Jonathan Taylor caught 26 passes for 252 yards and five touchdowns last year and didn't even get an invite to New York. And he is a two-time winner of the Doak Walker Award. More than ever, the Heisman Trophy is quarterback exclusive. And with Trevor Lawrence back at Clemson, Justin Fields back at Ohio State, that doesn't figure to change this time around. And that's before you consider the possibility of another wild card type of year from another quarterback outside of Lawrence and Fields. You know, like Joe Burrow just last season. I think Jones and Harris are capable of doing enough to earn a trip to Gotham, but to win it outright, it's going to take something beyond extraordinary, especially if we're talking about a running back. So now the ceiling for either of those guys seems to be the number three spot. And that's why I went out on a limb earlier this year and right there on BamaOnline.com offered up Jalen Waddell as Alabama's top candidate to win the award. Not just get to New York City, but in my opinion, if someone is going to penetrate the Lawrence slash Fields fortress, it's going to take something totally different. And I think with Waddle's ability to produce wow plays on offense and in the return game, he is that guy, as us old heads relate to. Kind of like Desmond Howard of Michigan back in 1991. Now if Alabama can just find teams dumb enough to kick Waddle the football this season. There you go. That's a rundown, an early look at list season. Hopefully, we'll get to see for ourselves how this stuff plays out over the coming months. What we will get to see this weekend, by the way, the PGA Tour laying over in Dublin, Ohio at Muirfield Village with the Memorial Tournament. You're going to have Tiger Woods returning to the tour for the first time since mid-February. Justin Thomas and Bud Cauley. As far as Alabama representation goes, JT looking to right the wrongs from last Sunday when he faltered down the stretch before giving way to a very talented 23-year-old 
and Colin Morikawa on the third playoff hole of the Workday Charity Open. So we'll be keeping up with a little bit of pro golf on the cable coming up on Thursday as well, and right through the weekend for that matter. For now, though, that's going to do it for Daybreak on this Wednesday, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Once again, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You certainly need to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. Continuing updates as we try to piece together a college football season for the upcoming months. As always, extensive recruiting coverage with Tim Watts and Hank South doing an outstanding job in that department. Top to bottom, we've got it covered for you. The Alabama Crimson Tide right there at BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, hoping you have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you again real soon right here on the Built by Bama Online podcast.